Hello, Natasha. Hello, Damien. It's the Lowbrow Lowdown. We should, because it's like already at 30. Oh my god, it's going to be easy all night. Um, hello, listeners. Hello. Um, sorry, and please excuse my voice, I've had a cold, so I sound a lot sexier than normal. It's not COVID, don't worry. It's not COVID? No, no, it really isn't COVID. I got tested twice. Um, because of oh. I feared the worst. Um, welcome to episode 14. Wait, I haven't introduced myself. <laughs> I'm Natasha. <laughs> and I'm Damien. Welcome to episode 14 of the Lowbrow Lowdown. We are reading pandemic themed literature, so you don't have to. So, pronouncing the name correctly, Damien, what's this book about? Uh, so, today we are reading The Rotten. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it begins. <laughs> like, riddle me this. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> The Rotten Roots of Yggdrasil, Mythology Meets Reality in Sweden's COVID-19 Pandemic by, now I'm going to assume Louis. I'm going to assume a Louis as well. Yeah, Louis Paul Delgado de Mendoza. Mm. Um, so, the blurb reads, A stark tale of Sweden's pandemic strategy told by forgotten gods. Stockholm, Spring 2020. Oh, for those of us in the Southern Hemisphere, autumn 2020. <laughs> yes, very helpful. While Europe is holding its breath and most countries are beginning to implement lockdown measures in the face of the novel virus, Sweden is pursuing a controversial, much more lax strategy in the hope of achieving herd immunity. Mm, we will address this. Yes. <laughs> Against this backdrop, the old Norse gods begin to awaken from a long slumber. Their dreams plagued with unsettling memories in a country that denies the darkest parts of, it, of its history. Loki will exploit the current circumstances to strike out against an elderly Odin, bedridden and fighting for his life. Thor, Eden, Tyr, and other gods of Asgard will have to battle a prophecy from the beginning of time, as well as a collective modern-day amnesia into which they have emerged. The Rotten Roots of Yggdrasil is a Nordic magical realism tale ancient Scandinavian mythology interweave with a tragic contemporary context and candidly shining a light on the lesser-known side of a country idealised within and beyond its borders. A paradise growing on a tree with rotten roots. Yeah. It's... So... I didn't write many notes about... And we've spoken about this. I didn't write many notes about um, the plot or the characters... Because I just enjoyed reading it so much and I thought everyone else should also do the same. But I did do lots of Wikipedia. Sorry, I've got to get closer to the microphone. I did do lots of Wikipedia research. <laughs> inverted commas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> about the um, <clears throat> about Yggdrasil. What it, I mean, I didn't know what Yggdrasil was, but once it was explained, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, that's what it is. And it features heavily in um, quite a lot of different Norse mythology. Uh, yeah, including Danish and Swedish and other Scandinavian countries. Well, and a lot of people will recognise elements of that Norse mm. mythology in like a lot of other, you know, other things. Stories, like it, it yeah. really is huge in that Marvel universe, even before the films. Like mm. you know, mm. Thor was a Marvel superhero, Loki was a Marvel supervillain mm. for a really long time. Mm. Like Norse, as with any mythology, like they they're embedded in everything. Yeah, and then they're embedded in. Uh, uh, 
the stories repeat across different cultures. Like mm. The idea of a, a world tree or a tree of life exists in non-Norse Yes, mythology. yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, it was interesting, this, the myth of... Oh. Well, so we, we didn't want to go too far into the plot because it's such a good book. It and really it, you, good. like we really recommend you read it. Mm. It has been translated from another language. We're not entirely sure which. We think it might be Swedish or maybe Italian. It was, it was a bit mm. confusing about what language had been unsure. translated. Yeah. But it, despite like being translated, which you know can really impact a, a book's, how, how you comprehend a book, this was still very beautifully written. Mm. There were some points that were a bit Yeah, there were funky. a couple of clunky, but very few. Yeah. Um, the the, the translation was very, like, it wasn't just word for word. It was, you got a sense of meaning and, and nuance. It's So what's interesting about this book is mm. it is like a, a shifting restricted narrator. So we are seeing many, many different perspectives, but you only really mm. see one perspective at once. That's true. Now, I did find that a little confusing at times. I did lose track. If I wasn't concentrating, I did lose track as to who was actually narrating. Yeah, there, there were points sometimes I was like, oh, who, who is it now? And mm -hmm. and so, because and you, you're following these Norse gods as they're sort of coming out of their amnesia, but you're also following ordinary people as well. Mm -hmm. It felt a bit like... Uh, like you know, if there you seemed were, to be quite a number of parallel stories that yes. didn't quite... It wasn't clear that... I mean, yes, we know that they would cross over at some point, but they didn't. Not all of them did, or oh, they kind oh, of they kind did. of did, but they it was the the I I think so like so we sorry this is we're not explaining this well, but like mm. these stories are all operating in parallel, and it's almost like you're just getting little clues from each one mm. and mm. slowly yeah, piecing what, things together. It felt like a mystery. Yeah, it uh, really did. Yeah, and. and no, they they didn't all meet at once, but it was like oh, one story gave you a clue about another parallel story, yeah, and then because of that, you understood another story or another point of view. Um, it must have taken a lot of plotting to make that work. Yes, like yeah. I imagine there was a huge you know, whiteboard or corkboard. <laughs> I'm or imagining something. lots and lots of post-it notes. <laughs> yeah, and it look it doesn't sound like it would work, but it, it worked quite well. It did actually. Yeah. There were moments where I was kind of like oh. Hold on, where am I? Or like, what's going on? And I mm. had to reread a few pages occasionally, particularly at the beginning of a chapter, just to kind of get my bearings. Yeah, but, but you know that happens with a lot of books. Not, not that's not necessarily a, a fault of the author. Like, we do read these in a hurry, so often yeah. it's user error. <laughs> but I think the other thing is, we as readers were discovering who these gods were at mm. the same time. So they've they've got this collective they were, amnesia. Yeah, they were discovering who they were the same time we were. That was yeah. really interesting. Um, so I'm not sure why they, they were in an amnesic state. I have a theory. Like, like... I did look up. I thought, is this because I, so I think the setting of the book is uh, is in within Sweden through and looking at Sweden's coronavirus response. But echoing it, or the parallel story, or shadowing it, is the idea of Ragnarok, which is the end of the world, mm. which is a um, prophesied fate mm. uh, of of these particular gods. Um, it's a prophecy of these gods, and once it is triggered, it cannot be stopped. Um, and I thought, oh, maybe there's somewhere that there is a, something about them not remembering who they are, but 
I didn't get that sense. I yeah, think. I didn't. I don't remember. Like, not that I'm an expert on it, but I don't remember that from any of my reading of it. Mm. The thing that stood out to me as really interesting was there was at a number of points, and particularly focusing on Tia, mm. the discussion of the last time they awoke like mm. this was mm. during the Nazi occupation mm. of Sweden. Mm. And like, I don't, I have some interest in Germany and some interest in World War II mm. history, but mm. probably more so in the um, reunification of Germany yeah. is where my interest is because that's mm. when all the cool queer stuff started coming <laughs> back. Um, <laughs> but uh, this discussion of Sweden rewriting its history, mm. and I, like I just, I knew some of the stories of the heroes who resisted the Nazis, mm-hmm. but there appears to be this, from the, this author's perspective, this sentiment that, you know, Sweden wasn't a resistance force as mm. they like to sell themselves and mm-hmm. that there were a few heroes who have sort of become the... They come to represent the idea of Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> and that this is kind of a, a repeat of that and mm-hmm. that perhaps when we look back on this in... 50 years' time, there will be those few resistors who mm. um, resisted Sweden's herd immunity model, which has been, has failed and failed ev- everyone admits it's failed. Yeah, even, but the, it's still the, even being the architects used. of it yeah. admit that it's failed, but it's still being used as a, an example of, you know, as here's a phrase that we're all familiar with, living with COVID, mm. um, which just means some people are dying of it. Is, yeah. uh, can we just... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. Like, you know, it means that people that you don't think are important are dying of it. Yeah. And that's mm. a really shitty position to take. It's extremely shitty position to take. Um, and it's, you know, against a healthcare system that's just been ripped apart by neoliberalism, mm. um, privatised and inadequate, inadequate mm. for, the, for this experiment to be done on Sweden's yeah. citizenship is appalling. That's my two cents worth. I have thoughts about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, but so, and this is interesting because it's someone who, from what I understand, lived through this mm. in Sweden. I get sense that they did. Um, and very much rejected the model the whole way, well, yeah. they say the whole way through, and, um, mm. and feels really betrayed and feels like they've witnessed people not caring. Mm. So are we talking about the author or the character? The author. Right, yes. Yes, witness people not caring. Mm. And uh, there's a lot of criticism of this of this particular experiment, herd immunity experiment, um, and of the government's approach and of the government's um, oh, amnesia maybe is a good word. I don't know. Well, I feel like there's going to be an amnesia about the actual reality. Like you're talking about the resistors being perceived in the future as heroes. I suspect that what the people who are going to be seen as heroes in the future are the architects of this horrible experiment, really? because they'll have been, you know, because most people, and I've read quite a few um, op-eds about <laughs> at this approach and and watched horrible videos news. Yeah, ABC and, and other reputable news sources watch videos of people saying, oh, you know, it's not that bad. Well, not even that bad. It's just like, yeah, there are these approaches, uh, hand washing and social distancing were the primary ways to control, or the, were the primary health measures um, the, the, in place uh, rather than masks. Yes, yeah, the, they didn't think it was airborne. Yeah, even after it had been proven to be airborne. 
Um, and um, look, I'm not the people who I read in these articles were saying things like, well, yes, some people got sick, but they were isolated or put into isolation or quarantine. Um, and the rest of us could live our lives. So it was seen as, uh, I think people are going to look back as a time, I mean, look, I'm generalising and I hate doing it, but it seems as though there's going to be some people who look at this point of time and realise that they weren't dreadfully inconvenienced. Mm. And that's, and, and that's businesses, the thing they'll remember. That's the thing they'll remember. And I think they, you know, their businesses might have not failed. Um, they didn't have to get the financial bolstering, or, or maybe they did get financial support from the government that enabled their businesses and, and livelihoods to continue. I think those, I think this approach, even though it's horrendous from a from a public health point of view and from a lives lost point of view, well, and almost like a utilitarian uh, point of view, like oh, these people are dying, but do you know what? We have to sacrifice the weak for yeah. the strong to survive, well, the, and it's like oh, it's herd immunity was could be. Just can I just say, if herd immunity could be gained by letting a disease rip through a population, wouldn't we all be naturally immune to smallpox and polio and influenza and whatever other diseases that have been with humanity for centuries? Why aren't we immune to those? Why did it take until, um, why didn't it? But vaccinations is what got us herd immunity. Nothing yeah. else. <laughs> Nothing else. Yeah. So I, the, I yeah. just, I think about it and like part of the, the, argument for herd immunity is that some people will die yeah. and how do you not know someone who is likely to die if they get it and not mm. feel like well i don't want to lose them because i can name 10 people I, yeah and also there was still not an, i mean at that point in time you know, march april last year last year yeah gosh it's almost 500 years ago <laughs> um yeah april may last year <clears throat> excuse me um not enough was known about the disease to be able to say well, herd immunity is possible. It's like, oh, it's a gamble. Like it, it was, was an like absolute gamble. We don't want to. We don't want to so make like policy that is hard to sell. Yeah. So this and it was easier to sell. The herd idea immunity. that yeah, yeah. The idea that we'll all people be fine. In, we'll all be fine, and and people who get sick will be old people, and they're going to die anyway soon. So I mean, which is a position taken by too many people in Australia. And I just my my parents are like not. They're not. You know, they're. they're older like they're over 70 mm. and if they got it they might die like mm. they're meant to have another 20 years in their life at yeah. least my mum was um i mean my thankfully now both of my parents are vaccinated my dad finally got his i suspect it was more to do with wanting to go to the pub than actually believing that there's novel coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole other discussion Look, whatever, <laughs> it takes. <laughs> whatever it takes <laughs> i will not have this discussion <laughs> no. Um, so, what what I would say is, I think this story was very well crafted. And do you know what? There were I I've been having this discussion a lot lately. There were points where I felt like the author was maybe going a bit hard or being a bit kind of like I think about the Black Lives Matter part mm. of the book where there was this really like characters in the book, their mm. youths that they were taking were like, well, how irresponsible and, you know, it's really performative. And like, there are, there are aspects of aspects of that. I, that I agree with. Yeah. Yes. But also like not recognizing the gravity and importance of what is, you know, 
systemic racism and it's it's so complicated and i think it's that thing of going mm-hmm. i can see where you're coming from but also like it doesn't sit well with me that that's how you look at it mm-hmm. um and so there were points that i didn't necessarily go oh yeah i'm 100 on board with you mm-hmm. um but it seemed as though he was being a bit critical of people that would have been on his side yeah and maybe a bit kind of you know everyone's wrong you know that mm-hmm. thing where people People, I'm the clever one. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And people kind of take this thing where it's like, I don't agree with anyone because everyone's wrong. It's like, well, mm. you're never going to get anywhere with that argument. You've got to be able to go in and play the, play the mm. game that's being played yep. in order to change the game that's being played. Yeah. So I, I think I've just reached a, a section of the book where um, there's a research scientist, Daniela. She lets out, uh, this isn't my excerpt, but she lets out a snort as she stares at the digital front page of news newspapers about about the protesters. Mm. Um, and <laughs> it's just more out of incredulity. Oh, no. Incredulity. Incredulity. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when I... <laughs> so more out of incredulity. Incredulity. Incredulity than diligence. <laughs> the research scientist shares the news on Twitter where other profiles have already reported the headline with comments accounting for all viewpoints. There are those on one hand point out the folly of such huge groups convening while the infection rate is so high and on the other hand there are those who only see the virtue of the Swedish people's solidarity always ready to defend a just cause. I felt like that was a bit of a, 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 not, not, I don't know. Here's the thing, like I I recognise the kind of, particularly in somewhere like Sweden where Mm. they weren't practising proper protection that, you know, there was like, but like the criticism isn't that they're supporting Black Lives Matter. The criticism no. needs to be that they're so flippant with their own lives. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. And it just, it feels misplaced. But also mm. like that's a character's perspective and maybe he was trying to sort of put that forth. Maybe that's something that he saw. Because, yeah. um, you know, very online people. I saw it the other day. Mm. Um, very online people. I'm, I feel like I'm an online person. but I... <laughs> No, the, the people who like, if someone says something and I just go, I don't think you're talking in good faith. I just disengage. Like, yeah, I just go, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. Oh, no, but there are people who. There are people who just can't let it go. They're like, no, you have to agree with me. Like, yeah. you. Well, they a... have to make a comment publicly or like re quotes or tweet, quote, quote, tweet. Hmm. Um, I was like, who cares? What the hell does it matter if you're, have, you have an opinion on an American politician's point do you, of view? Do you know what the one that's really bothered me lately is. Seeing on like what's their at? <laughs> no, no, no. This is like a, a broad kind of right. and often like proper anonymous accounts, like first name, much number accounts, or like yeah, yeah, yeah. just gobbledygook accounts. Mm, mm. Um, that someone would be like, Look, I'm a bit sick of hearing all this Taylor Swift because you know she's done her Taylor's version mm, mm, mm. and it's everywhere. Mm. And then on like Twitter, these people just Hundreds and like the same person will reply two hundred times. You're fucking ugly. You should die. Taylor oh Swift God. is the best thing ever. How dare oh you? She, and it's like Taylor Swift doesn't need you to protect her. <laughs> she's fine. Like she's she's absolutely very happy fine. millionaire. She's <laughs> like and good on her. She's re-recording her music because someone took the sold the masters or whatever it was, and she's reclaiming ownership of her yeah, music. Good. And you bought it. Good for you. You're mm. supporting her. No one else needs to do that. Like. It's yeah. not your job to defend someone who's like, oh, I'm a bit sick of this or I, she's yeah. not for me. She's not for everyone. And if someone oh, says that. God. That's why there's so much different music because, God, if we all like the same thing, 
god, no, horrible. But it's that thing of like, if someone doesn't like that you're like your favorite artist, that's some, like music is literally one of the things that you can just have an opinion on. <laughs> like, you don't need any expertise. You just like what you like, mm, and you don't mm, like what you don't like, mm, and that's fine. Mm. And you know what? Maybe that person. Didn't like, I mean, I think it's fine to say, oh my God, I'm hearing so much Taylor Swift because mm. it was everywhere. But also like maybe that person didn't really need to say they didn't like Taylor Swift, but also why are you responding to them? Yeah. My, my litmus test is like if you were to go up to Taylor Swift <laughs> and explain to her in detail what you did in her defense, would she call security? Absolutely, she yeah. would. And if security. the answer is yes, and the answer is always yes, <laughs> always. <stop>. But they, <laughs> oh, but these people are not that self-aware. But I, mean, <laughs> but I do have a problem with, and we're really off topic now. But this, this idea of um, I don't want to say idolatry. That's not the right word. But idolizing anyone to that extent, we mm. feel the need to defend them in every public sphere, and and you know, we probably weeping. Although, do you remember um? Leave the leave Britney alone. Yeah, 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 he was entirely right. Chris <laughs> Crocker, so vindicated. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's that you shouldn't agree with anyone on a hundred percent of things. And very online people tend to be like, "You're either in my camp and this these people's camp." It's extremely binary, isn't it? And it's like sometimes I see things and people who I agree with on like a good eighty-five to ninety percent mm-hmm. of what they say, and there are days I look at them and I just go, "I'm just." Like, I'm just going to mute you for a day mm. because you're on a tear about something that I think is maybe A, not important, B, you've kind of got the wrong end of the stick. And I'm just... Or, or even, well, um, for me, C, uh, not important to them. Mm. And I will make that judgment. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, should we... What I, I think... What did you What want? you just talked about is probably a good lead into my excerpt because sure. it is... From the husband of that, so that was Daniela. Yes. This is her husband, Federico. Mm. And it's, um, they're, they're from Italy. Uh, she's a research scientist mm. and he's a teacher. Mm. And they're thinking about returning to Italy. Yes. And I, this is something that I think kind of captured the, the sort of Swedish culture from an outsider's perspective that I think mm. maybe helped me yes. click into what this is like. Yep, yep. So this is Federico thinking about going home to Italy. Returning to the epicentre of the contagion in Italy would have seemed crazy to them just four months earlier. But now they were convinced that it was the best thing to do. Cases were falling at the same rate as they were rising in Sweden. And there was no longer any doubt in their minds that the government of their adopted country would continue to charge at the acquisition of herd immunity, whatever the cost. In Swedish, there is an expression that is part of the essence of their society, Lagom, a difficult word to translate. It means something like, in the right measure, just enough to be right without standing out due to excess or defect. Daniela called Sweden's strategy Lagom denial. Oh. And I thought that was kind of perfectly captured. Mm. Like maybe the kind of, the place that the Swedish sort of culture and people were coming from of like, you know, we have to do this. It, it feels like a very utilitarian, like just mm. the right amount to like get the job done. Yeah. And this person who's from who lives within that culture, but comes from outside that culture, mm. is able to look at that and say, "No, it's it's too excess and defect now, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. denying that you've you've hit that threshold." Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a really, it was a really nice insight into sort of somewhere that I 
don't live, have never lived and yeah. don't necessarily understand. Yep. And kind of helped helped me kind of connect with, oh, maybe this is where the the sort of strong support for this thing that everyone from the outside looking in is going, what are you doing? It seemed literally insane. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah, there's something about the frog slowly being boiled in water yeah. aspect to it. It's like, yeah. it seems right because they're on the inside and it seems right. And maybe that's down to government messaging or um, what was being presented in the news as correct and the, the the version of correct is just a bit askew from other versions of correct. Yeah. It, it, do you know, like I thought about people who think that Australia is being oppressed and I was like, are we frogs in oh, the water? God. Like, Oh, are we? I don't maybe, know. Maybe like, there's a we all hated lockdown. Hated it, but we understood it. Yeah. And it had, well, I mean, maybe this year's different because our strategy this year hinged upon vaccination levels, which are, at the t- as of today, 19... Uh, 1.4% of everyone over 12 in Victoria, which is fully vaccinated. So thank you, everyone, for making society safer. Um, But last year, without vaccinations, lockdown was a tool that was used to great effect. Like we got down to zero cases Um, as an elimination strategy. It worked. Mm. And like, how many people, how many lives did that save? Like thousands. And I think we understand that elimination is not possible forever. No, no. And now that vaccinations are here, we've mm. like we're now at a point where we're like, well, we know that we have to move forward. I think that's a really good place to be. And now we need to vaccinate the rest of the world. Yes, and that's, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Where are you, HWO? No, you've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> Throwback to the last oh, time we had to talk about to listen the listen to episode 13 <laughs> or 12, I don't know. Oh, why can't I spell today? <laughs> W-H-O, World Health Organization. Get your fucking <laughs> acting to whatever. Oh, can you just delete this whole bit? <laughs> <laughs> so <Yeah>. the story is <clears throat> the gods are waking up and I don't want to give too much away, but there is sort of a general, there is a, a and the, the author like writes a, a sort of acknowledgement thing at the end where they talk about how there's no act, like the, while all the news stories and all the events that happen outside of the gods are sort of mm, um, mm. are real and based on what was being reported in the Swedish mm, media. Mm. Um, there's no like demigod, like media mogul who's controlling this message necessarily, but it kind of represents that dark, the dark art that is the media kind of pushing this line. Mm, mm. And I found it interesting because I feel like we look at that and go, oh, yeah, I, I feel like that's a thing that's happening. But, you know, if someone comes to us and says we don't trust the mainstream media because you know lizard people and i like it did make me think how do you like how do you draw that line like i read that and went that feels like that's sort of something that's that's real and happening and Mm. you know it's obviously not playing it's not the loki the god of mischief it's Mm. it's like all these people who are kind of working in all these bureaucracies Mm. and media organizations and Mm. lobbying groups and all these other things are all kind of working towards these things and it's very complicated, but there does feel like in Sweden that they were very kind of on board with this message and they were not willing to admit the failures of what was happening. And maybe there were some failures. I mean, that actually leads into my excerpt, uh, my excerpt 
2.0 because I can't find the original one, um, about this. Oh, no, I've lost it again. <laughs> Do you want to say that? Oh, no, no, here we go. Um, and, and it's about it's about how news about the, within Sweden, um, news about the health approach taken. Um, so this is from the, the man they call Gudmarsson reviews headline. So he is looking at a newspaper. It's called Newsbladet. That's probably absolutely not how it's pronounced, but that's how I'm pronouncing it. Um, there's another headline about the German journalist uh, today. Maybe it's time to stop talking about this guy. It was funnier at the beginning of April when the novel virus had only claimed around a thousand lives. I mean, what the hell? That was early on. Only a only thousand. Only a thousand. And the foreign journalist, I mean, also foreign journalist, so there's a, a you know, already an outsider, mm. <clears throat> was asking at every daily press conference why Sweden wasn't adjusting its strategy as the UK and the Netherlands had done. The guy seemed tireless every single day after the Swedish health agency's briefing. He asked the same question without fail, a lone voice of dissent in the face of rising statistics hiding behind a smokescreen of science and a mask of hope. A strange black sheep that, by merely bleating against the others, was already disrupting the herd immunity promised. Um, and then, and then he goes on to there's another headline addresses this topic head on. Most of Stockholm's population is expected to have reached herd immunity by May. This will be a good article. It will look great after the chicken shit one. And then as as the book goes on, that headline changes, or that news changes mm. about when herd immunity is going to be reached. You know, by June, by August, it's, it just goes, it just presents itself over and over again as a failed strategy, and that the dissenting voice is really important, but not listened to. Yeah. It's funny because it gives me a sense of someone because you know that wasn't our experience. We were watching that. We, we were watching our press conferences, and <laughs> but imagine if, like, I look at that that perspective, and I think about the people who didn't think lockdowns were a good idea, and that one journalist from the Hun or whatever it was who was French, um, who was, you know, the kind of lone voice of of dissent, and is that how they felt like? Like not that I'm, I'm not. No, like, no, no, no. I understand, but I understand. Like, like I look, I, I read mean, that did, and I go, oh, that's how I would have felt. But is that how those people in Australia felt? God, maybe because um, look, this, this this whole section. I mean, and I'm going to refer to my father again. He has been um, led to believe by whatever he's reading and listening to on certain news channels that um, one COVID isn't actually is that it's um, a bit of a scam um that the vaccines are terrible we shouldn't be mandated you know the the, the current range of mm. um criticisms um out there i guess is he is he someone who's like in that uh, that headspace yeah so he is in that headspace and from his perspective he is seeing and hearing truth and from my perspective which is the polar opposite <laughs> I am seeing and hearing and believing truth. And and I think that dissenting voice, I mean, I'm 
I'm going to put aside my cynicism and say mm. perhaps, yes, they do believe yeah. they are the dissenting voice. But um, and the, I think where I'm going with this, so one of the big problems we have in the world at the moment is digital information literacy. And mm. I, I teach at a university and one of the big things I teach is digital information literacy, how to look at something mm. and even when it is a credible source to mm. be able to then see the biases that exist mm. to see, mm. you know, if it's a news organization understanding that news organizations are for profit and how does their editorial policy help mm. them mm. manage against what their profit interests are. Mm. If it's a, an independent news source, how are they making money? What are their biases? Who are they interviewing? What are the expertise of mm. those people? Mm. And it's not wrong to criticize reporting. There is going no. to be reporting from credible organizations that you that and it's not wrong to be up. a reporter who criticises government or... Exactly. And, I mean, that's the, the actual point of that but our, institution. But our problem is, and it's for people who support our side as, as well as people who are, are you know, not, uh, who don't believe that COVID is real, mm. digital information literacy is the lacking factor. Like, mm. if you read something, and, like, you can't do it for every single thing, but if I read something and my gut goes, something doesn't feel mm. right mm. there... I have to make a decision. Do I want to chase that down the rabbit holes mm. and there will be many and it'll take me a few hours? Yeah. Or do I want to sort of file that in the, I'm not sure how correct this is and I'm not going to go around repeating that information no. until no. I know mm. how correct it mm. is. And I people are not willing to make that assessment and hold back because everything, very online people, <laughs> want to be winning arguments all the time mm, and mm. feel like they need to weigh in on everything. Mm. And I used to be like that. Like I used mm. to go, oh, this person said something and they're on the opposite side mm, of politics mm. to me and I have to argue. Mm. No, I don't. Like, I mean, look, oh, yeah, I wasn't going to talk about, about my dad, but I'm going to. He picks fights with me about all of this. Mm. He's convinced that I live under a dictatorship. <laughs> um, and it's extremely frustrating. It's like, oh, my God. And part of me puts it down to, oh, you know, part of me puts it down to lack of digital information literacy and also from a generation where the news um, was a trusted source. And so when he gets news in, a, 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 say, the Herald Sun or Sky or whatever, wherever, from seemingly legitimate news sources that promote this point of view that is anti-health or anti-government and anti-health, measure um why wouldn't mm. he believe that um and this is where my absolute fury with the federal government <laughs> comes into play but we'll just let that go again yeah. it, it just i i don't know reading this i think for probably one of the first times i was like here's somebody who is in a like is in a position where the government no, not that the government always has that interest in no. or anything like that but in this instance, with this pandemic, I was watching these lockdowns and I was like, I hate them. They oh, suck. They but sucked. like, I don't see another path that Until is viable. Until we get vaccinations. And that wasn't a certainty mm. 12 months ago. Yeah. Um, and so elimination seemed the only strategy. And so seeing, because herd immunity doesn't exist without it. <laughs> seeing someone who's in a country where they are sharing my position on this, mm, but mm. they're looking at the government going, I'm looking at what you're doing and it's like... I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong. Mm. And I just think this is the first thing that's made me go, I can kind of see the perspective of mm. someone who isn't consuming the same things that I am, isn't in the mm. same bubble that I'm in, but also 
and like this is not a brag but like i have incredibly good digital information literacy mm, because mm. i teach it i mm. i understand numerous models for how to assess the credibility of sources i mm. like i'm extremely cynical and i, mm. I just don't believe something until and I look at it. I'm also extremely think, gullible, so I have to be really, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a check and balance against myself. I just look at it and I go, I can, for the first time, I can kind of feel where they were coming from because somebody who, if I was in that country, would be sitting there going, mm. oh, I don't, like, I feel like everyone's lying to me. Mm. And I feel like maybe this is where these people feel. Like they, yeah. the information oh, think, they get. Yeah, I think they do. Hmm. I, I think they really do. But and also, it's really I don't unfortunate. Know. And I don't know what we can do. I mean, because they're thinking the same thing about me. Like, oh, my goodness, you're brainwashed. You've just um, been a sheep. Mm. <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, in a university <laughs> setting, it's not my job to tell a student, hey, this opinion's right, this opinion's no, no, wrong. No, no, you're not to tell them what, what to think. My, my job to... is to teach them how to, yeah. like, how to research and how to build an argument. And what they do with it is what they do with it. Um, but, yeah. Sorry, this is very off topic. This is really off topic. Um, I don't know that we're going to get much laughing. No. But I did find a really interesting snippet yeah. in my research. Uh, so because this book does um, touch on, uh, you know, echoes the idea of Ragnarok as the end of the world. And, um, but because it's cyclical, there is hope built into that. Mm. And that's very nice and i did get that sense from from this book that there was you know, even though dreadful things were happening the hope that was part of the prophecy or or fated to be was seen and recognized and understood by those people or those gods experiencing um uh you know everything mm. so this is a really lovely book we will uh, definitely yeah, highly recommend that you do read this book. I feel like we haven't done it justice. We've done we it zero Very justice. distracted. Um, yes. Um, I, I'll give this uh, book more masks out of five than I give myself. <laughs> yes. Um, it was, and um, we should probably start to wrap up. I think we should. Um, but it was. It's dark outside. It's dark outside. <laughs> um, it was a really well-crafted story in a way that I just look at and I think. I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. I'm not, maybe enjoy was intellectually I really responded to it. Yeah, and it's this thing of like fantasy as a – that's the blinds. Fantasy as a, a – I, I guess it's fantasy, but this kind of mythology theme. Mm-hmm. Like I look at that and go, you wrote that in – like very recently. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Stella's just come to join us, so you may hear her grunting. <laughs> um, like you wrote that very quickly and a very complicated story mm. that worked. Mm. And I just – I look at it and think there's so many ways it could have gone wrong. In, like- September or October last year. Mm. Yeah. So that was done. It was done pretty quickly. I imagine there would have been a lot of emotion because there was lots of anger yeah, the, in this book. Yeah. And, John, you know, that's probably the, the one sort of warning I'd say going into it is that you will feel like I relived a lot of frustration and mm, anger mm, mm. that I felt in 2020 mm, in mm. reading this book. Yeah. I mean, look, here's, here's a line. Uh because I think Sweden is one of was one of the first countries that had assisted um, dying. Yes. yes. Oh, yes, I know. So, like so euthanasia, and so there's reference to euthanasia means ending a sick and incurable life to reduce suffering. Which, yes, we can all agree is a. We're just going to wait thing. for Stella to stop drinking. <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> that is <laughs> quite loud. <laughs> all right. So, so euthanasia means ending a sick and incurable life to reduce suffering. Very good. 
For someone whose sentencing comes down to a lack of resources, someone who was not asked to end up like this, another word is certainly needed. Um, when words are lacking, the best thing to do is to paraphrase, to open the door of language and to look for the nearest fire escape, to run thinking more about semiotics than semantics so that no one can later point to the word that's actually lingering on the lips. Thus, the man's death will not be assisted. They will simply do what they can do to ease his pain with painkillers. And that was a criticism that's echoed a few times throughout this mm. book of the Swedish health response and the Swedish... But also, so recently in America, hospitals, some hospitals have had to Triage. either consider or can, or actually go to crisis standards of care where it, you are no longer... You are no longer treated on who needs the most urgent help. You are treated on who will survive. Yeah. Um, and that, that is, is because there are not, like. And you know who wears that? It's those. It's those, the nurses. It's the nurses. It's the hospital staff. It's doctors making that call at the point that these people present to a hospital. Yeah. And if, like, Devastating thing to do to I just think citizens. Of, yeah. And I think of doctors and nurses who have, uh, like, wrecked from watching people right. die. Like yeah. that has been the, like in a way that there has that their jobs have. If you work in an emergency ward, yeah, yeah. your job involves death, but in a way and a volume that they have never had to experience before. And fearing for their own lives. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next step is to not just watch people die, but have some people come in and say, "Well, you're going to die mm. because we can't we can't help you." Like. Previously, they would say, I will do everything in my power to help you. Yep. And now I have to say, well, now a nurse or a doctor has to say, can't I can't help you. Yeah. I mean, that, like that's psychologically yeah. damaging to someone who's committed their life to saving, like to helping people. And and those conversations that nurses and doctors are having with people within ICUs or intensive care, ICU, yeah, intensive care. Um, in Australia and other countries, it's mm. not just one country um, where they ask for the vaccination <laughs> and it's a, it's too late, you've got COVID, you're about to be intubated, you, you cannot vaccinate you. It wouldn't work. This, it, it, wouldn't, it would have no effect um, and your immune system would probably just... Wouldn't not, handle the thing it going would not handle You need the to thing. be healthy to you get need to be, well, you need well, you need to be like... You need to not have COVID. Yeah. Your, your well, immune system <laughs> needs to be able like, to, not busy trying to fight something already yeah. in you. Mm. Um, anyway. Yeah, sorry, this so is a bit of a really downer have, episode. So, but should we, well then, given that it has been a bit of a downer episode, should we give them a bit of a clue about what we're doing next year or? Well, we have picked we have a topic. We have picked a topic. Would you like to share sure. what our topic is? Or should we rate this first? Oh yeah, let's rate this. I'm going to give it a four out of five. I think it was so well, a great story, well written. I feel like I learned a lot um, and it prompted me to go do more reading. Um, I really enjoyed it. Maybe four and a half stars, I think. Yeah, I was going to push to four and a half. Mm. Similar to you, like I knew I had done some reading and I had listened mm. to some some very good reporting mm. on the situation in Sweden, but mm. I certainly didn't, I didn't understand what it felt like. No. And I feel like yeah. this gave me an insight into that. That's true, yeah. And what I'd say is, like, there yeah. are moments in this where I feel like, you know, there is a lot of emotion and sometimes mm. I think that affects the kind of quality of the argument that he's making. However, However. like, also 
but it's his it's his, it's his perspective. It's, it's his, his story, and, and it's not really our place to no. kind of say, you know, your story is not valid. No, and I think I, I think emotion doesn't take away from the reality of the story. It's it yeah, it was it was very well researched. <laughs> um, like I spot checked some of the stuff that he was talking about because mm. he says, you know, outside of what happened with the gods, mm. and like you know, mm. this was the stories <clears throat> that I talk about, the things that happened to these people were real and mm. they were. And that was really clear all the way through the mm. Mm. Um He was being very careful to, within the prism of this mythology, mm. not commit hyperbole. Like, no, it was, that's true. It was, but it was interwoven very yeah, a sense of but there was no, it wasn't a clunky mishmash of the Valkyries were not murdering like powerful men in strip clubs. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, <they're laughs> we understand that that wasn't happening, <laughs> um, but the the news about COVID deaths and the shifting narrative mm. of that herd immunity kind of goal mm. absolutely was happening, mm. and the way he maps it is the way that it plays out. Mm. Um, I'm yeah, four and a half. It was really interesting and well worth reading. And I think if it's something you want to visit, it's well worth visiting. Yes, absolutely it is. We will present, uh, we will copy, paste the link into one of our socials. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of our socials. At Low Brown Lowdown. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Before, so we will introduce what our next topic is. But firstly, um, tell us what you think. Uh, you can email us at lowbrowlowdown at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at lowbrowlowdown mm. and share your thoughts. And if you read the book to let us know what you think of it. We we really, we thought it was a really excellent, excellent book and really well crafted. Season two. Season two. We are doing a season two. That is amazing. I, I can't believe we got through a season one. I can't believe it either. And we did not get to the end of all of the COVID books that we had <laughs> bookmarked. No, um, we've got a couple more to come. Got a couple more to come. That will be Christmassy in theme and more hilarious in this one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I feel like this was an important one, but also very, very dour for, it was a bit, for our theme. I do. Um, so season one, as you all know, it's all about pandemic prose. We looked at the self-published literature of coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, season two, we are moving away from the pandemic because it's exhausting on a number of levels. Um and we are going to explore the hypothesis that zombie movies, TV series and books provide us with a snapshot of culture and society at the time of their creation. Um, we will explore the zeitgeist, zeitgeist through a trashy undead lens. I'm really excited for this. So, we, uh, should we, we'll, look, we'll, we'll reveal the name of it next week. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, a good idea. Yeah. We're still doing our focus group testing. If you'd like to be in our focus group, if you email us before the before our before Tuesday next week, um, we'd be happy to consider your thoughts. We can send you some stuff. Yeah, so Tuesday email us at lowbrowlowdown at gmail.com. <laughs> What's the date next Tuesday? Fourteenth of 14th, December. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that would be great because <laughs> the, the same three people in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit sick of <laughs> sick of seeing this shit. Um, but very exciting. Zombie movies. Yeah, well, so we both love zombie films mm. and and zombie the genre in general. Yes. Um, and I don't think we realise exactly how much we both love this no. until we started doing this. No, that's right. And, we'll, uh, and I think it was, but it was in the context. Well, for me, it was in the context of uh, pandemic es escapism. It was like, oh no, it just got me through the pandemic. Just watching dreadful zombie series. Whereas I'd be like 
my entire my entire life since I was a teenager has been like Damien is very passionate about the undead. Oh wait, no. (laughs) (laughs) So creepy. (laughs) Oh, like if I ever need a Tinder profile, passionate about the undead. Disgusting. No one's responded. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Um, we are done. We're done. Um, Stella joined for the last part of that. Yeah, very nice. Good work, Stella. Uh, see you next week. Goodbye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. See ya. Bye.